0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji nison This show is supported by Lacole who produce performance cycling apparel. This is the recap of La Course by La Tour de France. Before we jump into it, if you like what we do and you want to support the podcast, there's a few things you can do. You can rate us and leave a review if you're listening on podcast players or subscribe to the YouTube channel, Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast YouTube channel, and like the video down below. If that's where you're watching. Or we also have a donation link on Ko-Fi, which goes directly to supporting the podcast and acquiring photo licensing rights and race rights, etc. But speaking of help, this podcast is supported by our show partner, Lacole. Lacole produced performance cycling apparel that's made at the base of Monte Grappa in Italy. If you're interested in picking up some Lacole kit during the tour across the next three weeks, you can use the all caps LRTDF. 20, that's LRTDF20, which will get you 20% off all LeCole items. They've just launched their lightweight collection, which will help you stay cool in summer on long rides. It's made of their most breathable fabrics and material yet for the hot summer clients. So thanks to LeCole for supporting the podcast. Early starts, the race started like 8 a.m., uh, so 7 a.m. London time. And I think this might be the last edition ever with the Women's Tour de France next year. Yep. 108 Ks from Brest to London. Now a bit rainy, but not too hard. Four laps of the Cote de la Fosse or Loop climb, 3.1 Ks at 5.5%. They also finish on the top of that climb. It's hard at the start, sort of 8% gradient for 1,500 meters, and then it flattens out at the end. So Voss, Vollering, Vanderbregen, Ludwig, all those sort of riders on the start list and in play. Uh, but yeah, there was some. Every time they went sort of past the finish line, Benji, at the end of that climb, there were repeated attacks, people trying to get away. What was the initial attacks?
1: Yeah, I started tuning in, I think, just before the circuit started with a good 80k to go. We had an attack by a Arkea rider, Kerbal, Kerbaul, something like that. I'm trying, okay. And um, she ended up attacking solo, but she was joined by a rider, Pirone, and that women group stayed away for a tiny bit and then we started seeing that that continuous attacks every time on the circuit and sd works actually the team that was trying to control the peloton a bit while those attacks were ongoing and i feel like at a certain point we saw sd Works setting up A's, and the group was reduced to 30 riders and that was with a good two laps of those 14 kilometers per lap to go so lots of action but then a group started forming it was with about a good 18k to go. That the form that that group formed. We had Leah Thomas in there, Bertizolo Guderzo, Nifishov Black, Ruth Winder, Persico, Anna Henderson, and so forth. Also Grace Brown, Faulkner, Chapman, Chapman, and Labu, and I think one rider from Yambo uh, Visma as well. I think it was Anushka Koster, but I'm not sure Anna about Henderson, it. Well, was, oh yeah, well, yeah. Of well, course, that's
0: what yeah. the UCI Women's World Tour sort of tweets said. But yeah, yes, I thought I saw her pulling at the end as well i, mean, I was surprised sd works were happy with that group benji just need fisher black against brown and labu and anna henderson oh yeah i was surprised they let they were happy with that group composition or do you think they were happy with just a 50 second gap and they knew that could be brought back pretty quickly
1: well in the early parts when as works was setting the pace we saw that initial Few riders getting caught very swiftly on one of the uphill sections. So I think they knew in their mind that once we go ham on one of these climbs, this group can be caught quite easily. But I still felt like, okay, this is kind of dangerous. One minute, one minute 15, one minute 20. I'm like, okay, this is becoming riskier and riskier. And eventually we did see reactions from that second group. But I feel like it was only the moment that in the front group something was going wrong. So I think with the second last, court or uh, forceloop. <laughs> yeah, he hey, you're
0: supposed to you're supposed to speak French fluently. It's part of your <laughs> you're part of your national constitution.
1: That's not how it works here. Okay. <laughs> uh, on the second last ascension of the climb, um, we saw that in the front group, the rider of FDG, Brody Chapman was uh, was dropping, and because of that, in the elite group. FDJ started panicking, and a move by Utter Pludwig happened. And she actually went very hard on that second last ascension, and she put pressure on that group. And I think it was Anna van der Breggen closing it down herself. And eventually that group came together again, and the tempo went down again. But I feel like at that moment, the gap was closing down to a good 50 seconds, and we saw another move by FDJ. Muzic was going. Do you think that this was a good move by FDJ to try and launch that, knowing that the rider in front, for example, was not looking at her rest?
0: Yeah, it seemed pretty good timing. Like they had good communication with Chapman dropping. They're trying to then trying to do something. They're like, well, Chapman's probably not going to beat uh, Grace Brown. So yeah, pretty smart from FDJ. Jumbo Visma had been keeping their powder dry largely. Neil Fisher Black had been pulling in that front group and. Juliette Labou, I thought, on that final climb would be a good chance out of that group, but it really was when they got onto the last lap, Jumbo Visma got on the front and they just decimated this gap. The cohesion in the front group wasn't great, I think, because no team had two riders in that group. It was all yep. individual riders, so there was no one going to the front just pulling um, because they got a better rider in their group, as their teammate. So that group eventually got caught just before the base of the climb, and it reminded me a lot. Again, it's the base of the climb. All the favourites are in now in the front group. The Pelotons caught them, Nivia Doma, Ludwig, Vols, Follering, Vanderbregen, der Bregen, uh, you name it. And, and it was actually Sarah Roy leading out Amanda Spratt, and they've been doing a lot this season, Bike Exchange, sort of having brown attack early and then hoping it's Spratt on the final climb. And then it was an, a, an attack by a Canyon Shram rider. I was like, oh, Nivea Dome has gone really early. I think it was, it was actually Tiffany Cromwell. Yep. And it was like uh, when, when Gilbert was on BMC, Benji on the cowberk, when they got, I can't remember, maybe it was Sammy Sanchez. He got him to attack early to yeah. get Kwiatkowski yep. to bridge it and then Gilbert <laughs> counted maybe yes. like 2014. It reminded me a lot of that and then Nivea Dome counted. So do you think... Is that the steepest point of this
1: climb, like right at the start or like 400 meters in? Yeah, indeed. In the early parts of it, you've got that 14% section, at least according to the ASO thing, because that's always a tiny bit higher than the actual gradients. But it was a a pretty steep section, definitely the steepest part of the climb. So Cromwell hammered it at that moment. And then we saw not an instant response in that second portion of the group. And it wasn't until I think her teammate started hammering it that she was actually closed down. cassia Niviadoma was suddenly powering away from the elite group just behind her and close down towards Tiffany Cromwell. And usually would say, oh, I should stay in the wheel and perhaps Cromwell should give a few turns. But that was not happening. Uh Niviadoma was ready to uh launch Pasta and straight past her and eventually in the group behind, I think uh, the two riders that were closing earliest was Utrup Ludwig but also Grace Brown so not Amanda Spratt right there so yeah that's where the question comes in was it good that they were going for Amanda Spratt in the first place and that kind of stuff in terms of that team but I think that those three stayed away for a few seconds until the others joined as well that was an Anna van der Breggen for example falls in the wheel of Anna van der Breggen and then the others as well volering uh Soraya Paladin as well so uh The group came back together, but one missing name, and it is the winner of last year, Lizzie Dagnan.
0: Yeah, she got dropped. I think she's just not looked in as good a condition this year. And I think this played out, this climb a lot, like I'm kind of expecting the men's race to play out. If you only have a three, four second gap over the crest of the steep section, which is 1,200 meters in, you've still got a long way to go over a kilometer, 1,400 meters to the finish. And say you're... Kasia Niewiadoma, Volerings behind, Vanderbreggen's in that group. Van der Breggen's not helping her, so those three. There's not much, you know, collaboration. It was like Schachmann and Alaphilippe in Tour de Suisse stage two, I think, where Alaphilippe attacks Schachmann's there. They look at each other. MVDP comes back. Same scenario. The quicker women come back, being Vollering and Mariana Voss, but Ludwig goes to the back of the group, and she, they go into the Flam Rouge. She knows well. Maybe she shouldn't have known because of what happened later, but she's like, I'm not going to beat Voss and Vollering in a sprint. She attacks <laughs> to the right-hand side really hard. She's closed down by Anna van der Breggen, who's on policing duties, running for Vollering again. But it was still a strong attack from Cecilia Cecily- ultrup ludwig Then Lippert attacked, and it was actually Mariana Voss closing her down with 600 metres to go. Do you think if you're Voss at that moment, Benji, with two... SD works riders in that group. And remember, Volering came at her pretty fast in the Amstel Gold finish. Do you think, why do you think Voss was, was closing down Lippert? Do you think she thought Anna van der
1: Breggen wouldn't have done it? Oh, I think that it's dangerous because if you're Vos in that situation, you're just thinking about staying at the front as much as possible. And I think that despite that team having multiple riders there, I think they would play it treacherously. I think they would try and get Vos to do work, and I think that's where the tension comes in and that's where Voss actually uh, is kind of forced to close it down because von der Breggen didn't really look like she was instantly reacting and it wasn't until Voss made the move, Vos basically, well, crossing to the right of the road that von der Breggen jumped on the wheel and also uh, followed. So it was a bit of a, a waiting game for a, that tiny split second before the reaction happened and Foz was the one to react. And I think eventually the group came back together and we saw another move that was well not similar because it wasn't SD Works that had to close it. But Anna Von der Regen decided to go on the right side of the road and Foz was on the left side of Volring when this happened. And when this happened we saw that Foz was reacting instantly on Von der Regen. but the thing is that Volering is in between there. And she almost crossed the front wheel of of Volring there, a bit treacherous, but eventually she jumped on the wheel, again having to do extra effort, having to close another one, another one of these attacks. And that's all gonna play into her getting more and more cooked along the way, going to that final sprint, because Volring on paper does not have the better sprint on a flat section. But if you put so much pressure on Vos right now with all these continuous attacks, then it might become closer the level between the two. And that van der breggen move was very, very important there, I think, for the uh latter part of the race.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. Like the difference between Voss and someone like and the breggen sprint is very is large, even when Voss is tied. But if you can tie uh Mariana Voss out, if you can get Volering on her wheel, if you can get Voss launching earlier then you really even up the playing field between her and Vollering, and you give Vollering a good chance, even if you haven't been able to drop her on the climb. And that's what happened. Voss comes out of the wheel of Underbregen, kicks pretty early, doesn't have the zip that we saw at Hen where she sprinted for like 300 meters with of Capecchi on her wheel. We, that is not what we saw today. And uh, Vollering comes around her to, to the left easily, in fact. And wins La Course with Voss running out of steam and Cecilia Utrecht-Ludwig, who'd attacked a couple of times, uh, but especially on the second to last lap, I think, on the climb. She has a really, really good sprint for second. So here's the top 10 of La Course: Vollering first, Cecilia Utrecht-Ludwig second, Voss third, Van der Breggen fourth, Grace Brown fifth. Unbelievable result given she was in the break. Is coming fifth. I mean, it makes you wonder what would have happened with Brown if she'd Saved her energy and she'd attacked when everyone was suppressing with 700 to go and looking at each other. Noviodoma sixth, Paladin seventh, Lippert eighth. Quite a good result for Lippert actually. I think maybe she should have trusted her sprint a little bit more. I think she's she could have come top five. Diagnant ninth and Bertizzolo tenth. So pretty interesting and tactical finish, Benji. The Vanderbregen Volering combo is unbelievable once again. What do you think? what do you think is the lesson from this climb? And and say you are not an SD Works, like SD Works win once again, what could have gone differently for them to actually lose this
1: race? Actually, I'll throw it around first. I'll try and talk about how they could have won it differently. I think (laughs) at a certain moment, we saw that attack by Utrup Ludwig in the last one and a half kilometers. We saw Van der Breggen, well, we saw Grace Brown reacting to that and Van der Breggen in the wheel. And they had a bit of a moment where they had, a good 15 meters on Niviadoma, who was setting the pace in the second portion of that elite amount of riders. And that three women group, they stayed there for a second and looked at each other. The second that Van der Breggen closes down utrecht she has a tiny gap on Brown. And it wasn't because Brown was letting it go for a bit. No, no, no. I think that she was actually putting pressure on Brown. I think if Van der Breggen decided right at that moment to keep that effort going, she would have been able to win the race like that. And it's because in that second group, they would have all looked at each other. They don't have teammates, so they can't chase it down. They're going to have repetitive attacks left and right. Nobody's going to want to take over. And Utrecht Ludwig, I don't believe she would have been able to close it because usually she gets countered. And when she does, she's not able to respond instantly and and get back on the wheel. So I think Van der could have won this race if she went forward there. But then again, they won in the end. So does it really matter? Not really, and it's a split second decision, and I guess they uh, had their plan set out for volering, and it turned out perfectly. But how could other people have put more pressure on this? I think in the last kilometer, just plainly, there was so much patience and people looking at each other and and fake attacks, like maneuvers that looked like they were about to attack and then didn't attack, and from like multiple riders at the same moment as well. So if like one of them actually made the move. The others would have been like, who's going to close it down now? And then it would have been either Von der Bregen or Vos doing it again. But Vos can't keep repeating that. Vos can't close down seven attacks. Two was already putting so much difficulty into her. And Von der Bregen could have probably done it. But if she kept on doing that, then she would have put Vos in a, in, a, in a beautiful seat again. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that could have gone differently in the final kilometer. But it's also just split decisions. I don't know if I was in that position whether I would have attacked or not. I um, I think it depends on my my sprint quality, I guess. So this is the
0: last major women's race, I think, before the Olympics, Benji. Uh, oh, is, well, it's been knocked down from world to women's world tour level, so it's not going to have as good a start list, I don't think, is it? But anyway, for the Olympics, we got this is sort of a tune-up one-day race. Although, oh, that's not as silly as the men's race. I presume Vollering is going. Will, will we see the Voss-Vanderbregen-Vollering combo there? I'm not sure how many places they have, but the Dutch team is looking outrageously good for Tokyo to win the Olympic road race. Maybe Vollering – oh, sorry, Vanderbregen has been sacrificing so much for Vollering because she knows she's going to get paid back in Tokyo. So that's something to watch. But I enjoyed this race. I can't wait for the full Women's Tour de France next year or eight stages of it at least. I think it will have a really different element and maybe we'll see some riders who we don't think of as you know top top riders that they're actually really really good stage racers day in day out and we just they've never had the parkour to really show their capabilities maybe ludwig is that is that sort of rider uh, but yeah any what, what are you expecting from the tour de france next year benji who's a rider you think will really shine with an eight stage race with some mountainous parkour
1: I think it completely depends on that parkour because, yeah, you're saying a mountainous parkour, I think it fits the ones we know, Van Vleuten, Van der Bregen, those are the ones that fit there, but Van der Bregen, with the Olympics coming, she's retiring on paper, so she might not make that first tour de France, right?
0: Uh, yeah, or she she said she's retiring this year, but maybe that's another sort of carrot for her Come to keep on, going. Anna,
1: do it for us. It's not like <laughs> I
0: mean, I mean she, she's not exactly washed, is she? So <laughs> yeah, um, that,
1: that's certain. <laughs> <so>
0: Holy crap! <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure she she could still win some races next yeah, year. Yeah, I think
1: so as well. When it comes um, to like uh, yeah GC, oh, it's very difficult. But those are the, the two I was leaning towards. And then you've got a Volering that I'm curious in whether she has a time trial. I haven't. I don't know why hard whether she has a time trial and if that comes into play then i want to see how good she does but i think the problem there is that i think when it comes to the bigger climb she's going to get into potential trouble but on laguna's Naya, she was surviving pretty long and we were surprised by her so i think that i'm just looking forward to it so we have a view on who could do there who, who could do well there I guess.
0: if it depends on the parkour if you get a, a really flat parkour which we hope doesn't happen but Kopecki just won GC a lot of Belgium tour, won, won a stage. She's won so many. She won the national championships in Belgium and the ITT. Kopecki is, she's like the, uh, yeah, she reminds me of fun Art a lot, actually, Benji. She's just an incredible sprinter and climbs better than you expect sometimes, a lot of Kopecki uh, when, when she wants to. But it won't be that route. The route next year, I think, will be too hard for someone like her. Maybe Amanda Spratt will come back. Maybe it's Neve Fisher Black near fisher no. black could you know she looks like the next best Roman stage perhaps you never know yeah yeah true mom Pasio here seems to be amongst the best in the women's world tour she just never gets the climbs to show it off but that was our recap of la course by la tour maybe the last edition probably will be uh thanks for listening and watching if you want to hear more from us on the tour de france you can follow us on twitter at lantern rouge cycling podcast at Lantern Rouge CP, it actually is the handle. You can find me on the Lantern Rouge YouTube channel. I have highlights of this race, La Course, and every Tour de France stage. And Benji's doing a PCM playthrough on the Benji Narson YouTube channel every day. So the links are in the description below, but we'll see you with the men's recap later. Ciao.